Hey there, Conquerors. This is the Conquering Columbus podcast, the only podcast that brings you the stories of the people and businesses that are shaping our great city. And today on the show, we sat down with Megan Buren and Acacia Duncan, co-organizers of TEDx Columbus. We learned about how they source the speakers, the history of TEDx Columbus, and some tips Acacia and Megan have for public speaking. And the TEDx Columbus event is coming up this November 15th. And if you want tickets to the event, check out the links down in the show notes. As always, we hope you enjoy this episode and we hope you learned a lot. Before we get to that episode, though, as usual, we got to take a quick moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus, and their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to work with like-minded businesses to raise money and participate in large-scale volunteer efforts and improve educational opportunity for youth in our community. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. All right, Conquerors, let's get the show on the road. If you could drop me anywhere on the planet, in any environment, and I might get, you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. And today on the show, We've got Acacia Duncan and Megan Beer joining us. And Acacia and Megan are both executive trainers at Articulation. And we actually had Articulation founder Ruth Milligan on the show earlier this year, if you guys remember that one. Uh, Acacia and Megan have both taken over leadership of the TEDx Columbus event, which is coming up on the 15th of November. There's going to be a lot of great speakers there this year, so you can check out the links down in the show notes to learn more about them. But we're really excited to have Acacia and Megan on to talk about everything that goes into setting up the event, what they're doing day-to-day to support it. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, ladies. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's really exciting to have you here to talk about TEDx. I mean, everybody you know, kind of knows TED, I think, these days. If you don't, go check out their videos online. I think there's a lot of great stuff there. But uh, I guess typically kind of one of the first places we like to start before talking about TED is talk about 
lives outside of TEDx? How did you end up in articulation together? Any highlights in your lives before that? Uh, so feel free to take it away. And maybe introduce yourselves first so people know who's talking. Sure. Well, this is Megan Buren. And I like to say that the joke is when people ask me what it is that I do for a living, I say that I help people with what to say and how to say it. And if you ask my family, my parents, I was doing that long before I was ever professionally trained to do so. So I ended up in the right line of work. And I actually came to this through public opinion research, focus groups, polling, getting a real understanding in DC of what the audience needs to hear when a speaker delivers and what wins hearts and minds. And so I came to that through public opinion research and really have a love for helping people deliver consequential messages. So like how would, so public opinion research, like how did someone react to this speech or uh, what type of... Or what should you say in that speech to begin with gotcha. that would actually win hearts and minds? What okay. are the words, images, and phrases that people react to? And it's not so much about what you say as what, what, as what people hear. And there's plenty of books written on on those who have shared with that topic, yeah. And, and what's a quick four or five minute overview of, of your career path up until then? Like, did you grow up in D.C.? You mentioned D.C.? No, so I actually grew up in Cleveland and I did both of my undergraduate degrees at Ohio State and then went on to do a master's in communications, culture, and technology at Georgetown University. And that was how I ended up in D.C. and stayed there for the first almost decade of my career working in advocacy, public opinion research, and message training. Sure. Well, my career path is a little more circuitous. It, I, I've been a jack of all trades. I like to joke that I lead a double life. I have actually always been in coaching and training of some form since I graduated from Miami University. And I'm also a professionally trained actor and director in Columbus. So I have this art side and real acute awareness for audiences and how do you make them feel things? How do you help them to feel things, honestly? And how do you connect with them? And then I also have this side of me that has always been interested in how do you help other people to get to their best? And it was probably about three years ago that I left my corporate career behind and struck out on my own as an executive coach. And then I got pulled in with Ruth Milligan and Articulation and TEDx, and it's just been a wonderful fit because it really does bring so much of what my art gives me with what my career has given me. So I really feel on a great path in that way. Well, that's great. And so you get to Articulation and then the TEDx opportunity arises. So what does that look like? I know Ruth kind of was involved with that and we talked a little bit about that, but how does TEDx come up and how do you both get involved with TEDx? Well, Ruth has a really great sixth sense for what people are gonna be good at. So it kind of looks like Ruth saying, hey, do you wanna try doing this? And you say yes, and then you end up doing more and more and taking on more responsibility as you prove what you're able to do until last year when we took over as the co-organizers. Right, and I actually, I think it may have even been before I formally worked with Articulation or right around the same time started coaching for TEDx Columbus. And so I came in with both of those at the same time and have been a dedicated coach and devotee to the TEDx cause since then. I just find it to be such a powerful medium for 
conveying ideas and sharing within our community that that's always been a passion really for both of us and as we've worked in the TEDx Columbus team over time that became a natural transition Nancy Kramer and Ruth Milligan founded TEDx Columbus it'll be 11 years now ago this is our 11th year and they were one of the first TEDx licenses ever to be given around the world and now there are well over a hundred thousand TEDx talks posted online from all over the world. So as early adopters, they've been in this, grinding it out, working it for a very long time, and they are still, you know, on the board and a very important part of the team. But it was time for them to get a break from the day to day of actually producing the show and coaching the speakers and going through that process. So you both mentioned at a high level uh, what your professional skill set is and what you're focused on, but what does it look like at a more granular level, your day-to-day and articulation, and then how that relates to TEDx Columbus, if at all? I would say we're professional listeners we ha- and question askers. So our job is to stay really curious, and what that would look like is a lot of phone calls, conference calls that where that are being recorded, and we listen to other people share their ideas. We listen to them share their science, We listen to them share their stories, and sometimes they're very personal stories. And then we ask a lot of questions that we think might be the questions on the audience's mind. And our goal is really to help them get to what is the core idea or the core message that you want the audience to go away with. And we hopefully are able to help them then create a talk that can span anywhere from five minutes to we don't like them to go longer than 15 minutes in which they can really convey that message with power and with stories and emotion and sometimes humor. And I'll add that TEDx Columbus has always been our sandbox. We get to hear any different kind of idea, see a variety of different speaker types that come from all walks of life and have really perfected how it is, well, I don't know if I should go so far as to say perfected, but fine-tuned how it is that we coach a speaker for that moment on stage. And we like to say that we are content agnostic, but methodologically specific. So the way in which we coach through that process of helping a speaker identify their core idea and how do you get to the point where you're on stage with no notes and no podium and a clock in front of you is a process that we've worked diligently through in giving the best that we can to speakers in TEDx Columbus. There are certainly then businesses on the other side that want to elevate their presentation literacy and appreciate that sense of the democratization of ideas and want to bring that into the workplace. And that's separate from the work that we do in TEDx Columbus that we can bring to articulation in coaching individual speakers or in training leaders. So one that's a little bit off the script, but to touch on the point that you made earlier regarding crafting the story, it seems like there's two components to this, you know, the the conveying of the story and then the actual story itself. As you're coaching different individuals, do you focus on one more than the other, or is it is it like a two-fold process? What does that look like? 
I think first, yeah, we have to understand the story. So we have to hear the very long version of the story. I had a coaching session for a TEDx event where the sessions are about 45 minutes and we get to know how long you talk at the end of the coaching session because they're recorded. And 35 minutes was the speaker just sharing their story with me and only 10 minutes was me asking questions. So there is quite a bit of information we as coaches have to have. But then through asking them a lot of deep questions, we're able to help them start to understand what is it from that story you actually want to get across because you're never going to be able to get 100% of your lived experience across to an audience. You have to pick what's important for you to get across. And that's what our coaching is really designed to help them do. I would say we rarely tell them what they should share. We may encourage them as the audience we may differ also may in our approach. Them. It depends. <laughs> we may encourage, but mostly they're making that decision because once they decide what they want to share, it becomes clear to them as well. So we're almost taking an idea and distilling it into kind of pure form. Is that a good way to describe it? Yeah. Eventually, we like to try and get their idea down. Their entire talk should be able to be conveyed in one sentence. A very long sentence. Right. It's a complicated It's a complicated, <laughs> clause-ridden <laughs> sentence that you probably would never want to say out loud, but you can convey it in one sentence, and that's really part of the goal. And that's what is really useful, I think, in terms of presentation literacy that Megan mentioned for any organization. If you have a presentation you have to give in front of anyone, a board of directors or a TEDx audience, if you can narrow it down to one sentence, then you really know you've done your homework on that presentation. And does any coaching and feedback go into conveying that story or the articulation of it, no pun intended? Oh, yes. There's rehearsals that are involved, so we're helping them with how they stand, how they speak, are you breathing? We help them with that stuff, and that usually comes right towards the end of the coaching, of course. You're 100% lying. You intended that pun. Yeah, I was thinking about it for like three <laughs> You enjoyed days now. it as you were working <laughs> on it. <laughs> this is going to be good. Okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about setting up the events, you know, and everything that goes into it, right? So obviously there's gathering of the speakers, but there's also probably a lot of stuff that goes into the back end. Uh, maybe start, though, with the speakers. So what's the process like? How are you choosing speakers? Do they come audition? Like, is that mm-hmm. all involved? Well, we rely on an in- incredibly devoted team, a curation committee, that have worked with TEDx Columbus over time. Some of them have served for five or six years, if not more. And then there are new people that have joined as well, because if Acacia and I are the only people that are looking at the speakers or recruiting speakers or encouraging them to be nominated and apply, then we only have a limited universe in Columbus, and we only have a limited life perspective of our own. And that's very important to us, that we have a diverse set of ideas and life experiences in that realm. So we work hard to encourage people to apply and to nominate friends and to look for people who they think have an idea to share from the stage. And then they apply and they go through a real application process. They submit a video to accompany the application, and then we go through those with that committee, spends hours sorting through them and figuring out what's the right balance for the stage, what's a new interesting idea 
that our community hasn't heard. And then we go through that process in multiple rounds and end up with the, the great list that we have today. We should also mention we had an open call this year, which yes. we've only had once previously in our history, and it was before Megan and I came onto the team. And the open call was great fun. We had 25 people who stood up in front of an audience who came to watch, and they got three minutes to share their idea. We had a clock and a buzzer, so when they ran out of time, they really ran out of time. But it was incredible what people came with, and they'd really rehearsed. Most everyone had so rehearsed what they wanted to say. There was such passion. We intended to choose one winner of the open call, and the open call nominations were so great that three people from the open call are on the TEDx Columbus stage. That buzzer would have rattled me so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like buzzers. Not a big fan. There's no buzzers on the stage on November 15th. Not on November 15th. At that point, we trust that they'll finish on time. Have you ever had to like get a hook like, hey, guys? I don't think we've ever gotten a hook. I do think there have been stories of our production team in the back advancing slides on a speaker that may have gotten stuck. So that might have happened, but we don't have a hook. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so what about what about the setup of the event, like the actual details that go to organizing it, uh, getting the message out, the marketing, all the different attributes that come with making it successful? Well, the event really starts in January and February after we've had a month of rest from the event <laughs> itself. Uh, we start thinking about what is this year going to be about. And each event TEDx Columbus is about our community. So we spend the first couple of months honestly thinking about our community and what is it that's important to our community right now. And we're trying to figure out what is going to make this year's TEDx Columbus different than all the previous years. And really we're figuring out the theme of the event. And this year we landed on our theme Spark because we thought about our society and we thought about our community right now and we thought about the importance of connections between people and what makes connections are conversations and what we wanted were ideas coming from that stage that would spark conversations for the entire year after they give their talk so people can talk about these subjects so we're hoping that TEDx Columbus this year sparks a lot of connection and conversation in our community the next thing we have to do is pick our date and we always land in November, but there is a little bit of a dance of what Friday in November are we going to do. We even this year talked about should it be on Friday, but we still landed <laughs> on Friday, and we have to book our venue, which right now is a fairly easy decision because we have great relationships with Kappa and working at the Rife Center in the Joanne Davidson Theater, and those relationships are really hard to replace if you go to another venue. So we spend the beginning of the year just figuring those logistics out and getting ready for the nomination process. And it is, it's a wonderfully intimate theater in terms of being able to feel somewhat in the round and having that opportunity on the stage. And I'll just add that Acacia and I work really hard on this, but it's together with a wonderful mm -hmm. team. I mentioned the curation committee before and our founders, but also you asked about marketing, Michelle Brecher does our marketing, Jen Kearns does all of the lobby experience, and Kim Goldsmith keeps all of the trains running on time. <laughs> and so scheduling all of these folks for coaching, right, with 15 different people on stage and so many other places where she has her fingers that it, it is really a team effort that gets us across the finish line. 
Hey there, Conquerors. We're going to take a quick break in the show here to tell you about one of our sponsors, Mixed Wonders. Creating a podcast is a ton of work, and a lot of heart and soul goes into your work, and that's why you want your audience to have the best listening experience possible. And that's why we work with Mixed Wonders. Mixed Wonders is an agency that helps podcasters like us get the most out of their audio. And whether you're spending four hours mixing your podcast each week, or you just can't seem to get the level of quality you want out of your audio, Mixed Wonders makes it super simple to get pop star level audio at a low price. For a limited time, they are offering to mix your first episode for free. So just go to mixwonders.com, that's M-I-X, W-O-N-D-E-R-S.com to sign up for a free mix or consultation. Save time, sound professional, mix wonders. So you mentioned you got 15 speakers this year. Is that an actual number or should I? I... Maybe. Well, that's revealing a little bit right. of our hand. Maybe. Right. Oh. We haven't revealed all of our speakers yet, but that it might be around Actually, 15. no, I, I, I was prepared to give you a scoop. Oh, so, I'll take the scoop. I thought it was right, not the full 15. Not the, full, not the final scoop, but okay. you get the second to last All scoop. Right, well, are there any particular <laughs> speakers or speeches that you're excited about this year? Well, one thing we really heard from our community last year was that they were really having a great desire for more tech talks. They wanted to hear about the tech community. They wanted to know, what am I supposed to know about all of this technology that seems to be coming faster and faster, and I can't keep up? So we decided that we would create something called the Tech Spark Talks this year. So we're having three of Columbus's finest tech experts take the stage. And these three speakers were actually curated by Ben Blinkera, who works with the Columbus Collaboratory. He's pretty, you're shaking your head, yes, you know him. He helped us to curate these speakers and we're finalizing them right now. But these people, they're gonna give quick talks, so four to five minutes, because tech is hard to take but four to five minutes of a technical thing that we should understand, things like 5G and virtual reality and cybersecurity AI, yeah. and AI, those big words we hear thrown around, and we're going to have an expert who can come and share just a spark of that with us so our audience can leave also feeling educated. I feel like I've had five people explain to me the blockchain, and I still don't get it. I so know. <laughs> Uh, blockchain might need more than 15 right. minutes. We did. There was a blockchain talk, but it is so it's complicated. So hard. It was a blockchain talk followed by a blockchain interview, and mm-hmm. it is, it is tough. It's yeah, tough it's, stuff. It, I every time I have it explained to me, I'm like, I get it, and then a day later, I'm like, I don't get it. Not quite. I think it's because there's not a good metaphor for it. There, right. there isn't a storytelling trope that it makes it easier to explain. But that's one of the things that we focus on is what's coming. When we look at the speakers, it's not just what's the IP that someone's created. There's a place for that or the personal story that someone has lived. And those are talks that we want on the stage. But also what should our community know about that is coming? And that's one of the places where these specific tech talks fit. Mm-hmm. So what does TED at its core mean to both of you and how can... Uh, businesses and organizations leverage uh, the TED style within their organization or for themselves to convey maybe their story or what they have going on? What I love about TED and TEDx and TEDx Columbus is it's this generosity of spirit. These people come and they have, some of them have ideas that could be extraordinarily valuable, right? Or they have a personal story that's really hard to share. 
but they come and they share it for free with the world in a way that we've now learned the world is willing to listen. So there's something that is so generous and democratic about sharing ideas in that way and allowing them to spread. When you hear a story, the next thing you want to do if that story touched you is usually tell somebody else about it. And that is what I love most about TEDx Columbus. I'll add that one of the parts that I find to be really special is that it's a level playing field. You don't get on that stage because of your name or because of your salary. You get on that stage, especially ours, I would say, and I'm, I'm, but that's the, the feel behind TED in general, is you get on that stage because of that idea. That's what earns you that spot. And that's what makes those talks so interesting. That's why people want to share those stories. Mm-hmm. Because if everyone just got up to share, right, if you didn't know that person or you weren't personally invested in them or their story, it just wouldn't make the same impact. Mm-hmm. And so the, the focus on the ideas worth spreading, and that's how we curate our talks and that's how we go after them, and that's what TED does that is so special. That's what what sits best with me. And then on the second part in terms of businesses, TED has transformed the way in which listeners want to hear people speak. There's no question that the old keynote talk of 45 minutes or an hour and a half, it's just we don't have the attention span for it. And frankly, it's not as impactful as actually doing the work to get that content boil down into what the audience really needs in that 10 minutes or less. So we find a lot of corporations who are replacing that keynote with five short TED-style talks. And it has changed the way in which we as a society judge talks and want to receive information. I would also say that in those organizations, there's something about putting your own people in front of their community and there's the vulnerability that comes with standing up and if you truly are sharing in the TED style there is probably a moment where you're sharing a bit of yourself you're being vulnerable with them and that's something that I know a lot of organizations want to have within their company now they, they want to have an organization where people feel safe to be their full self and this particular style of speaking not only can it inspire you and spread the ideas of your organization it can also create an atmosphere where people truly believe they can share themselves and be vulnerable so we've talked a little bit about the goals for this year's tedx but what about long term do you both see yourselves continuing to run the show for a while do you have plans that far out (laughs) what are you guys thinking TEDx TEDx Columbus is bigger than any one person. I think that that is part of what the generosity of Nancy Kramer and Ruth Milligan allowing TEDx Columbus to transition to other leaders is part of the process of acknowledging TEDx Columbus belongs to Columbus, not to any specific person. So I know I consider myself, and I think Megan does too, as a shepherd of TEDx Columbus, and I want to do right by it, and I want to do right by my community, and then eventually, I want to help the transition of the next person 
who's going to do right by our community and help these ideas get spread. But I don't necessarily see my, I think there's a shelf life to doing it. It's a lot of work. But we also just started. We so did just we're start. Not, we're, not, <laughs> we're not off the shelf quite yet. And we have ideas for where we want this to go. Last year was the first year that we organized. And during the year in between then and this next event, we started TEDx Salons which is another part of what you can do under the TEDx license in Columbus. They're smaller events. We did it in partnership with the Columbus Idea Foundry, and they were smaller smaller audiences and shorter time periods, but it was another way to get ideas into the community. We did the future of education, the future of aging, the future of work. And those are special because it isn't just one day in the Rife Center. It's a great day in the Rife Center, but that was one of the ways that we wanted to push those ideas further out of that theater. How do we make sure that if you couldn't attend or you, you, know, you missed it this year, but you were there the year before, or you're working all day on Friday, how do we make sure that we get this idea and the ideas worth spreading into other parts of our community. And how can people listening, local or abroad, go about trying to attend the event? Tickets actually are on sale now. So yes. you can go to TEDxColumbus.com. That would be the fastest place to get a link to get the tickets. And you can order them either through Ticketmaster or you can call Kappa directly, which we always like to gently encourage people to do that if they want to avoid the Ticketmaster fees. So you can get your tickets now. They are available until they're sold out, and we do always sell out the event. And there are other ways that you can participate in the event. Some people can volunteer, so if you really want to get your hands dirty and you want to help with the event, we, do, we are starting to accept our volunteers, and we're going to start to cultivate who will be the volunteers this year. And then the last way, if you can't make the event, you can watch the videos, and then you can repost them and share them. They're ideas worth spreading, so watch the idea and then spread it. And what's the maximum capacity? Where do you sell out at? The theater fits about 850, I believe, when it's general admission. It fits 903, I believe, is the technical count, but you're not allowed to sell every seat in general admission because it just doesn't work to get people <laughs> in unless <laughs> they have specific seats. That's the only way you can sell every seat. How many people can we stuff in the building to the fire? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And we also actually, we should mention, we turn that theater in the middle of the day because we've added for the past few years a high school session in the morning and that's one of the things that the ticket cost goes to support is we send out emails to all of the high schools around town and ask that if there is an English teacher or a government teacher or a science teacher that wants to accompany kids from that school they get buses and they come for free and experience that th that same theater experience and hear from those speakers in the morning and then we release all of those students send them home on their buses and fill the theater again that's great that's fantastic mm -hmm. awesome opportunity for students uh, well Megan Acacia I think it's a great place to kind of pivot towards one of our last questions of the show and it's centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus which is live uncomfortably and I'm not telling you too much about why we chose that particular phrase. What do you both think of when you hear the phrase? Oh, well, I can tell you because we've both stood 
center stage on that red circle carpet, it can be very uncomfortable. These speakers really put themselves out there. And some of them, it's a personal story that is incredibly raw that they've never shared before. The process to get there, the rigorous coaching, and standing in front of, like we said, 800 some people, not to mention the high school students earlier, it's a daunting task for people, many of whom have never done anything like this before. And so it is uncomfortable and they persevere and it's an incredibly welcoming, generous audience that's willing to hear those ideas and is interested in what they have to say. But you can see because of the way we light that stage also, and it's meant to be a conversation, they can see the faces of all the people out there. And that would be, if I was going to connect TEDx Columbus to living uncomfortably, but I hope coming out of the other <laughs> side happy and comfortable, that's, that's where I would go. You know, I think most of our speakers afterwards, all of the different people we coach, almost universally say that they're able to do more afterwards. It takes that t discomfort to really learn new things. And I think sometimes our work is about discomfort as well because... I'm all, we are always walking into the unknown when we're walking into a coaching call or walking into a new client and you can't come with preparation in the way you might want to prepare for a speech. So I practice that discomfort in my work so that I can encourage the people who are trying something that for most of them is far outside their comfort zone. Standing up on a stage, whether you're doing it in front of five people or in front of 800 people is against animal nature. It is a dangerous <laughs> thing to do. The reason we choose to do it is a little crazy. So it's, it's normal for your body to feel that discomfort. But the more you can lean into that, that really is where so much growth can happen. And for me, it's that feeling of connection that you have when you can communicate with someone and feel that they actually, truly understood you. It's so rare to feel that way. And when you're able to do that, it's really just something that you don't want to give up. You want to keep doing. And we joke that on a daily basis, if we haven't made people feel uncomfortable, <laughs> we're doing something wrong. We've gone to some pretty far lengths with speakers. It, you asked earlier about how you convey that talk in training for style and delivery rather than just the content We've had people talk into corners. We've had people tie their hands together. We've made people pretend that they were royalty. Really, in order to get to that happy place for you as what's your natural way of speaking, you have to go outside of that comfortable place and feel those extremes. So yeah. we do that on a pretty regular basis, make people uncomfortable seen it happen in person yes we have. <laughs> but, uh, Keisha Megan thank you so much for joining us today talking about TEDx Columbus here on the show we really appreciate your time it was thank a pleasure you. thank Thanks. you hey conquerors that's it for the episode today hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot if you did make sure to leave a like share us on Facebook with your friends we really appreciate all your support and every time you share our podcast or leave a review on iTunes it really does help us out before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus 
and their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to work with like-minded businesses to raise money and participate in large-scale volunteer efforts and improve educational opportunity for youth in our community. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but I'll find a way to survive I'll find a way to get the job done yeah there's a little doubt but you know what once again I think of that guy in my ear I think about stepping up to the stage I think about the challenge like I've lost sometimes but I've won more than I've lost and so like I bet on me any day choosing greatness greatness doesn't choose you you know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.